how banking institutions and retailers secure payments in 2015 and beyond will look much different than anything we've seen in the past. EMV tokenization and encryption have quickly become part of banking institutions' daily conversations. But how will emerging payments rails such as mobile payments like Apple Pay, cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, and real-time push payments such as the ACH infrastructure overhaul being proposed by the Fed impact how card issuers and payments acquirers move forward with their security initiatives? IT analyst and emerging payment security expert Natalie Reinald says bankers have quite a bit to weigh, but they can't do everything at once. For now, the focus should be on how tokenization and encryption should be used to complement EMV. But building in flexibility to accommodate emerging payments and technologies will have to be part of the security strategy, she says. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Natalie, so many things are going on right now in payments, but let's start the discussion surrounding the devaluing of card data. You've recently published some research about how security professionals view the impact EMV end-to-end or point-to-point encryption and tokenization are expected to have on securing payments data. Surprisingly though, based on what I gleaned from your research, a significant number of security experts are still a little unsure of how impactful EMV and tokenization will be at reducing the loss of card data that results from point of sale or network breaches. Encryption seems to be more relevant based on what your experts say. Can you give us some high level points from your research and help us understand why this seems to be the case? Sure. Well, I think the most important aspect of the research is that if 2014 proves anything, it's that hackers will continue to relentlessly hammer merchant and bank infrastructures to obtain sensitive card data. That means that no matter how secure the CISOs think their parameters are, the only way to ensure that they aren't an attractive target is to provide little return on the hacker's investment, and that is to devalue the card data. So, Natalie, why would you say that the security experts who participated in some of the research that you conducted, whether it be interviews or through surveys, why did they question how impactful EMV would be? And I'm assuming that might be just the rollout in the U.S. Yeah, I don't know that they're questioning how impactful EMV will be on its targeted approach because EMV is really targeting the credit card counterfeit fraud issue, which... EMV will address the inability to counterfeit an EMV card. So it's not that they're necessarily thinking that EMV itself will be successful. It's the fact that it's not solving the whole problem. It's just it's a layered approach that we all have to take in, in card data security, and EMV is just one of those layers. So you still have the opportunity for online fraud, largely because of the breaches that have been taking place. And that's in part going to continue because it will take time for merchants to upgrade their terminals. Um, regardless of the October 2015 deadline, there's still a significant amount of merchants that don't plan to meet that deadline and accept the liability shift. So there will still be data up for grabs for hackers to obtain, and as long as that's the case, EMV is not solving your online fraud problem. It's merely just solving that one use case, and there's still a lot to be done to ensure that the data is secured on all these data platforms and most often that approach is primarily being driven by tokenization and point-to-point encryption. So let's talk a little bit about tokenization. A year ago, we talked about tokenization, but it wasn't something that was really being discussed seriously. Over the course of the last 12 months, that seems to have changed quite a bit. Do you agree with that, Natalie? Is tokenization being something that the industry is looking at in tandem with EMV as something that really is a necessity to ensure that e-commerce, for instance, doesn't become the new channel for fraud? Well, e-commerce is the channel for fraud. It's not a new emerging trend, but I do agree 100% that the last year has changed quite a bit. And, you know, 2014 goes down as the years of the hack. You have one mainstream merchant, high-profile merchant, after the other, 
announcing that they've been penetrated. And most of the breaches that have been announced were conducted against their point of sale terminals at the brick and mortar store that weren't secured from cradle to grave. And so I think folks are starting to understand that it doesn't matter if you have a point-to-point -point encryption solution and tokenization solution deployed if you don't have it deployed in the right places. And the point of sale breaches that have been taking place in the last year are a prime example of that. Because while the data was encrypted and tokenized once it was sent past the POS terminal, the data on the terminal itself was still in the clear, which is how hackers have been able to gain access to all that card data and conduct these breaches. So Natalie, based on your research, the perspectives that were included in some of the research that you've done recently, do you think that most of this is coming from CISOs at banking or financial services institutions, or is it more coming from merchants? I would argue it's more coming from merchants. I think banks and financial institutions are running a very close second, in large part because banks are primarily focused on securing their accounts from account takeover, whereas merchants are very much interested in securing the card data that is being used to transact online and at the brick and mortar store. So when we're talking about tokenization and point-to-point -point encryption, the card data is normally what we're talking about. And for the banks and financial institutions, they have that part pretty much locked down within the accounts and their emphasis is very much on account takeover. So while we interviewed everyone, we interviewed financial institutions, we interviewed merchants, we also interviewed quite a bit of tokenization and point-to-point -point encryption vendors, the emphasis this year especially is on the merchant viewpoint because their priorities have shifted in the last 12 months. And based on your research, Natalie, it does seem that most of these merchants then, however, are accepting the fact that they will have to encrypt as well as tokenize data. But what exactly does that mean? What additional encryption and tokenization, what will this look like? I don't know that it's going to be additional technology per se. It's just going to be moved further up in the payment supply chain. So capturing the credit card data and tokenizing it at the point of capture or encrypting it at the point of capture will be key in avoiding these breaches going down the line. And Apple Pay is a great example of how this has been rolled out. EMV Co. back in March of 2014 announced their issuer network tokenization framework, which is what Apple Pay deployed in its mobile payment application. And essentially what it does is it tokenizes the credit card data as soon as it is captured and loaded onto Apple Pay. So it's validated by the banks and the networks. It's secured with a token on the secure element in the iPhone. And so from that point on, every time somebody transacts with Apple Pay, the data that is passed is a token, not the credit card data. Apple Pay is the first deployment of it, but that approach of tokenizing at the point of capture will become the key in devaluing card data going forward. So Natalie, let's talk a bit about Apple Pay. We've heard quite a bit about Apple Pay and how it solves a lot of these gaps that are left by EMV, and that's namely tokenization, as you rightly pointed out. But how much attention should we be paying to Apple Pay? Well, I don't know that I necessarily agree that Apple Pay is solving the gaps left by EMV. It's just another layer. Um, EMV is solving for the counterfeit credit card issue. Apple Pay is essentially creating an environment, to be honest with you, it's more EMV code is essentially creating an environment where the data that is stored on Apple Pay is useless if breached. So I think it's just another layer in the security process. And as we evolve and as EMV code evolves their tokenization framework and their security framework, Apple Pay and anyone who follows in the footsteps and deploys the EMV code specifications in their offering, whether it's another mobile payment application or an online merchant with a stored value card, as long as they tokenize at the point of capture, that data will be securely devalued in the ecosystem. So I don't know that it's failing 
the gaps with EMV. I think EMV and Apple Pay and all the different approaches towards card data security and fraud prevention are just another layer that is preventing credit card fraud and counterfeit credit card fraud in our ecosystem. And then what about some of the other emerging technologies and tools, such as Bitcoin that I mentioned up front? How could some of these emerging payments methods impact payment security in the future? Well, Bitcoin is unique. It's very different than emerging payment technologies in the mobile payment space. So Bitcoin deploys completely different technology that rides on completely different payment rails. And while Bitcoin gets a lot of press around you know, the darker side of Bitcoin, you have your Silk Road, you have your Silk Road 2.0. There's a whole use case for Bitcoin that can actually solve unique problems in the payment landscape, and that's primarily around the crypto rails. So when we say Bitcoin, most of the time people hear the currency and, and all the negative press and all the hype that's around Bitcoin, which there's quite a bit of, but there's an actual legitimate technology that's underpinning all of this that has a significant opportunity to reinvent how we transact online and in general being able to secure those transactions in a way that we can't do so today. So Natalie, looking out to 2015, what do you think the landscape is going to look like? Do you think that we'll still be talking about some of these technologies such as Bitcoin or do you think that we'll actually see more adoption? Well, I think mobile payments will continue to dominate the conversation in large part due to the hype Apple Pay created. And you'll start to see other mobile payment providers coming to market with solutions. There's a lot of question marks around who's doing what for Android. So while Apple Pay is interesting, it's only one piece of the puzzle. It only solves really the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus problem. Um, you have a lot of iPhone users that are newer generations that can't use Apple Pay, and you have an entire Android ecosystem that can't use Apple Pay. So Apple Pay, hopefully the press will kind of reshift their focus towards mobile payments in general because there are a lot of players in the landscape that are doing something on mobile payments. As for Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin will grow up in 2015. There are a lot of companies that are doing interesting things on how to utilize the protocol in a way that's completely transparent to the end users so the end users don't necessarily have to convert their fiat currency to Bitcoin in order to use those rails. And I see a lot more organizations coming forward in 2015 focusing on how to leverage the rails versus focusing on getting consumers to convert to Bitcoin currency in order to transact on the rails. So it'll be an interesting evolution for Bitcoin. I think by this time next year we'll have a completely different conversation around Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies like them. But I think the conversation will be very much focused on the crypto rails. And then Natalie, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? I think the, the primary final thought is, you know, there's a lot of media attention around both mobile payments and um, cryptocurrencies, and in part because they're, they're interesting and new, and, and, you know, we all use mobile phones and we all transact, so I think there's a lot of interest. But there isn't one winner, and I think if there's one theme that I, I would like to debunk and that I get questions on quite a bit, who's going to win the war? But first of all, there's no war. I think we're all going to be working together. You have multiple payment options now multiple credit card issuers, multiple payment networks. And I don't think that's going to be any different for these emerging payment technologies. I think you're going to have multiple options on mobile. And over time, as cryptocurrencies evolve and mature, you're going to have multiple options on crypto rails. I would really caution the notion that there's going to be one person standing on top of a hill claiming victory at the end of the cycle. Natalie, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Great thoughts. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Natalie Reinold of ITE. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.